Welcome to the Talented Learning Show with John Lay, Episode 1. Today I interview John Yamos, Principal Consultant of Thought Leadership and Advisory Services at Cornerstone On Demand about extended enterprise strategy, best practices, and ROI measurement. All right, welcome to the very first edition of the Talented Learning Show. Uh, where we interview key executives and consultants and customers uh, specializing in extended enterprise learning technology. Uh, with me today is John Yamas, who's the principal consultant of, from Cornerstone's on-demand thought leadership and advisory services group. Uh, John, welcome, and thanks for being the, the first guest here on the podcast series. You know, someday when you know we're uh, syndicated in 65 countries around the world and we have a global following of uh, 120 million or so, you can say it all started with you, so uh, no pressure, no pressure at all, welcome. <laughs> well, thanks so much, John, it's been a real pleasure to be here, and uh, I guess January is always an inaugurational month, so I'm very pleased to be there. All right, great. Well, thanks. Uh, so you've got a, you know, you've got a great title and a role: thought leadership and advisory services. You know, thought leadership's a term that gets bandered around a lot in the industry of, of uh, you know, what that means. And so, you know, I'd love to hear about, uh, you know, what your role is at Cornerstone, and really a little bit about your career, how you got into to, to something so unique. Share that with us. Sure. Uh, so a little bit about my role, uh, as you say, I am a principal consultant in Cornerstone's Thought Leadership and Advisory Services group. Um, we're actually a three-teamed group that is primarily focused on providing internal and external consulting and uh, advice. Um, our, one team is, is our industry value and analytics, and they're mostly customer-facing, uh, addressing areas like strategy alignment and really valuation, um, helping clients and prospects determine what the, uh, you know, what the business case is, what's the value uh, of going to uh, products that uh, Cornerstone offers the, uh, the market. Our second group is our quality and risk management group, and they really responsible for internal uh, quality management services. And from a customer standpoint, they really focus on auditing uh, for regulatory. So we have a lot of clients that are in pharma and other regulated industries, and this team uh, does a great job in terms of setting up, uh, making sure that compliance and that uh, Again, quality and risk are managed. And then the third group is the group that I'm in, which is the thought leadership and strategy team. And we really, really do about four different things. We uh, provide strategic advice really beyond the technology. Sometimes I wouldn't say devoid of a concern, but we know that technology is really an enabler. And you really have to have the strategy, the the target of where you're trying to get to and what technology's role is going to be. And so we try to make sure that we're providing the advice, um, the upfront thoughts and decisions that clients and prospects really need to be aware of, and then you can bring in the, you know, the various pieces of technology. Uh, we also have a, an external presence at industry events. So we do a lot of public speaking at conferences, uh, webinars, much like you do, John. Uh, we do a lot of writing. So 
uh, blogs and briefs, etc., that really kind of focused on key areas of interest for us that we think are going to ensure that our customers are leading and not necessarily following what everyone else is doing. So part of it is kind of best practice, but also part of it, and this is the part that I enjoy, is kind of thinking about what's next, what's in front of us. Wow. What should we be prepared to do? Um, our group, all of us, all three groups really, and in particular uh, the thought leadership and strategy team, it's really comprised of deep practitioner domain experts. So, you know, within the whole sphere of talent management, HR, uh, many of us have different focuses. So, for example, mine is um, HCMS, uh, a deep practitioner both in terms of consulting and within industry. I spent God, I don't even want to tell you how long. It's a long time. Um, in terms of using HCMS uh, to enable HR and really the enterprise maximize the value of its talent, and whether that be in terms of um, acquisition or performance management uh, rewards, uh, down to the mundane data administration and payroll and time, et cetera. So I've done strategy, evaluation, selection, uh, actually manage those functions uh, um, in industry. Uh, and all of which I get to bring to uh, a very unique group, I think, within the industry uh, at Cornerstone, where we brought all this together. And again, try to be internal and external consultants, again, in terms of what to prepare for, how to set up the use of technology, and, and again, try to think about what's coming ahead of us. And uh, mm -hmm. as I said, I've spent about almost four decades uh, in that role, either as an HR practitioner or as a consultant, um, both as, uh, in technology and also, again, in HR. So mm -hmm. that's uh, a little more than a 30-second elevator talk, but uh, that's, that's my background, and that's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. That's great. That 40 years started uh, with a degree from Harvard. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> well, you know, they had to round out the class. So, uh... <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, hey, hey, that's great. Well, uh, but your experience certainly eclipses mine. So, uh, I can't wait to ask you these you know, some more questions here. So, you know, one of the things that you know we've uncovered in our research or, is that because of of cloud technologies it's really lowered the bar for what it takes for a new solution to enter into the marketplace. You know, it can be a lot more smaller and targeted. And, and as a result, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them have, you know, flooded into the learning technology space that to some degree have elements of an LMS, though a lot of them don't call themselves that. But a part of that trend, though, has been really to, to put it on the shoulders of, of customers to do it themselves. And so, uh, you know, the, the SaaS-based products allow you to sign up, you know, for free trials and, you know, allow mm -hmm. you to, you know, configure yourself and, you know, probably some handy online resources. Uh, but what, what these organizations haven't done is really staffed uh, the thought leadership positions, you know, the, the people in the industry that have done it, uh, you know, 
over and over again as technology evolves. So it's it's uh, one interesting to hear that you guys focus a whole group on that, and 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 uh, two, it's it's something that's different, and, and uh, I would imagine a, a differentiator. Hey, just the sales guy, you can't knock the sales guy out of me. The when you guys are, you know, positioning your advisory services like that, is that something that happens, uh, you know, in the uh, in the upfront sales process, or or something that you know you go back to your customers on a regular basis and you know try to engage them in, in, in regular services to always figure out what the, what that next thing is? How, how's that all work? Well, I'm going to give you the standard consulting response. Depends, John. <laughs> Fair enough. No, you, you're exactly you're exactly right. I, I think we we really endeavor to do both, and and if not just both, maybe three three ways of doing it. One is just again being out there in the public and in the marketplace with our thoughts and our you know, our, our expectations and our. Uh, or advice based on long experience. Uh, so that's out there in general for anybody that's interested in that you can find our, uh, you know, our, our work efforts out there again, webinars and mm-hmm. YouTube and um, all of those kinds of things. In terms of, um, you know, obviously we exist to help sales. I mean, let's be, you know, transparent about that. But it's more than just sales, it's really success and the outcome. What's the impact? And that's really what we try to focus on. So in the, in to answer your, your direct question, yeah, we're brought into early sales and maybe even pre-sales situation where it makes sense, for example, uh, a company's out there and they, you know, it's it's a pure IT play, for example. Uh, that somebody wants to get off on-premise and into the cloud. And there's no real coherent strategy around, well, okay, so maybe that's the cost or the efficiency play, but what about the effectiveness? What about the impact? Where's the strategy behind it? What are the key performance or the key success factors around this? What do you try to accomplish? If we see that that's missing or that... HR is not involved or finance because of uh, issues around existing on-premise ERP, you know, which we've been living with for the last 30, 40 years or so. And the decoupling of those uh, really makes you rethink strategy from a technology standpoint. But again, that doesn't make a whole lot of difference if we don't know what the end result is from a talent standpoint. What are we trying to affect? So trying to get those things in place, areas of governance, for example. Who's going to make what decisions and how are, you know, what's the escalation process as things go up the chain? And in particular, you brought up the idea of the impact of going to the cloud. And, um, you know, it's not the full erector set that we all had as kids where you just had a bunch of steel beams and screws, et cetera. It's more like... Legos, you know, they're prefabbed. Um, there's certain ways that they'll fit. Um, still, a lot of uh, uh, customizability. And I want to use the word custom configuration that can help change it. But we all know, I mean, over the years, there's just so many ways you can, you know, evaluate somebody, and it's just giving the right perspective that is important and uh, uh, meets that 
clients need. Uh, so, so that's kind of the upfront. Uh, we can be brought in um, more towards the tail end after the sale. Uh, client may be struggling. We can be brought in to kind of do a diagnosis. What's the issue? Is it a true understanding, for example, of the maturity level, both in terms of their, you know, their practices and policies, their approach, um, those kinds of things. So we try to really kind of keep an eye of where we can come in and help the client be successful and thereby helping us be successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Thanks. You know, one of the things, as, as you know, the, the thing that Talented Learning was founded on and, and what we spent the last four years researching has been uh, extended enterprise learning of uh-huh. taking that, you know, that, that enterprise solution and really embracing those non-employees uh, audiences that are still critical to an organization's success. And that could be things like, you know, channel partners or franchises and Increasingly, it's about prospective customers and new customers and customers in general of, of any business of, of educating them to you know, onboard better and to learn how to use products and services better uh, so that they're, they're more successful. So it's really a trend, you know, kind of what you're helping to do to your own customers at, at Cornerstone is the trend that every software organization, really anybody, uh, any organization in any industry now is, is really embracing. So anyway, with that long preamble, I was wondering, you know, you know, how that's affecting, you know, your organization traditionally being, you know, really employee based, but in a position where I would imagine a hundred percent of your customers have customers, uh, and, and distribution channels, you know, how are your advisory services, I guess, uh, you know, helping organizations like that. What do you what are you seeing out there? Oh, we're seeing a, a I think a realization, uh, John, of a global economy, of the need to work as a team in a networked environment, in a relationship, collaborative environment. And so, you know, this idea of the extended enterprise, um, I think is really one that is I think it's a great handle today, but I think its meaning will change over time as the work that needs to get done and how that work is engaged and executed by employers in a gig economy. Uh, and I think we're seeing indications of it now. And it's uh, moving away from purely functional. And, you know, we went to teams. Um, you're seeing that kind of approach uh, internally. We're uh, self-directed teams within the walls of the business uh, have been operating for at least a decade. And we're seeing that diffuse beyond the walls. And so now it's really that connected economy uh, that has to address uh, global partners, global customers. And I go as far as to say it even goes up the chain. If you look at it from a supply chain standpoint, um, you can even include your sourcers, your providers, the folks that provide you the raw materials or the works in progress that you need for your services and your products. And so extended enterprise provides us a huge increase in a potential market for learning because, as we all understand, it's a learning economy. That connected economy makes us um, required to understand 
people, processes, personas, who's doing what, when, and what's the best way to affect uh, an engaged uh, entity, if you will. And that's not just the customer, that's the employee. That's, that's your partner, that's your provider of the raw resources. And so it's, it's a very big deal for us. We see it um, because learning is at the core of a lot of this. It, it allows us to bring to market a perspective based on learning, but it really extends out to the whole talent management aspects. You know, from a pure business standpoint, uh, we have teams that span sales, marketing, and product that focus solely on extended enterprise learning. And so it's important to us that we, uh, it's so important that we've really uh, created these dedicated supports um, to this function and to this market segment, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things, uh, thanks, one of the things that we noticed in, in our research as we continue to dig deep into this is that uh, there's really two types of uh, buyers in extended enterprise. There's, there's organizations that have the forethought to expand and embrace all audiences. And so to, to really right from the get-go, you know, understand the importance of that and drive it from the strength of the organization of, of learning. So, you know, learning's already been figured out or constantly, you know, being figured out, you know, from a, a, an employee and a development standpoint. So, you know, mm-hmm. lots of time and effort and, and education has been put into to learning how to do that right. And so it's their responsibility and thoughtful organizations, I think, uh, you know, encourage them to reach out and embrace the external audiences. But when that doesn't happen, and, and that's more common than not, when that doesn't happen, those those business units that are responsible for the external audiences go off on their own. And in a lot of cases, reinvent the wheel. They've got to, you know, understand you know, learning technology, learning management technology, you know, at delivery, how to create content, what is good content, you know, what's instructional content, you know, all those things that, uh, you know, in, in internal development figured out, you know, these external groups are, are, are trying to figure out independently right now. And so uh, in any case, I, where I, I think it's just a huge opportunity to encourage and pr- provide thought leadership and, you know, strategically help organizations figure out what those steps are uh, to, uh, to, to reach out to those external audiences because, uh, you know, if you can encourage them, there, there's so much uh, economies of scale, but more importantly, I think competitive differentiation uh, for organizations uh, that, that do that. So, uh, in any case... Spot uh, on, John. Absolutely. Nice, nice. So, you know, one of the things that I really like to, to talk about is measuring uh, success. Uh, in extended enterprise or in learning technology in, in general, and mm-hmm. I'd imagine that's you know on the you're talking about you know strategic, uh, you know key strategic things that have to happen you know for uh, critical success factors. You know what are your organizations measuring? Uh, you know what are you seeing, especially on extended enterprise side? What what do you see them uh, determining success levels? Uh, you know, how are you helping them there? It's it's really. Um it's a new area, but it's really kind of the tried and true measures of what success is, right? It, it's, it's measuring effectiveness and efficiency, which combined drive towards business impact. And so what we try to do is the very first thing is what's your target? 
what are you trying to accomplish in very concrete, measurable terms? You know, is it a is it a reduction in the cost of customer service calls? Or is it improving channel sales with your partners? It is, is it improving efficiency of processes from your source, um, your sourcing vendors? So we really try to get them to think, what is it that you want to accomplish in each one of the segments of the extended enterprise that you want to address? And we try to get them to get very clear about what that is. And when the, then the next thing is, okay, so let's talk about the efficiency. What's the cost to deploy it? And actually, I'm going to change that. I, we do bring cost into it, but what we try to really drive to is an understanding of value. Something may cost, but that marginal cost may have a, a multiplicative impact uh, on the return of that investment. And it, it's about return on investment, really. And are you going to get that next additional customer? Or maybe more importantly, are you going to be able to keep that customer you've already got um, and save five to six times the cost to gain a new customer? So what are the things that you're trying to do? I think some of the other more practical things are the effectiveness of it. Um, you know, do, have you set up the management of this environment? And it need not be centralized. It could be decentralized. But are you really clear about how you're going to manage it, the content and the administration to the broader audiences? Are you going to charge for the services that you provide? Again, it really depends on what is the bottom line that you're trying to, uh, to get to. So having that in place, and then you start out with the implementation. And let's not try to boil the ocean. Let's set up, you know, the low-hanging fruit. Let's get our, our, our act together. I, I, I really love the idea of um, agile development, you know, that minimal viable product approach where you bring something that's going to work quickly, and you're going to learn quickly on it, and you're going to be able to change things quickly. I think that's one of the advantages of of the new technologies that we're deploying in the cloud. And I think it's it's right and it's the proper approach because that's what we do, right? We never get it right the first time. But if we approach it with knowing this is the specific target, this is how we're going to go at it, we build to that to get it to a point that people can use it and we can start seeing the results. And so the other thing that we focus on is measuring the results. So analytics is becoming more and more important in that environment. Is it accomplishing what you're trying to do? And if not, where is it not? And where are the changes that you can make? So taking that data and developing actionable information that can lead you to success. So those are the kinds of things that we talk about with our clients in terms of extended enterprise. I know one of the big key things too, John, lastly, is uh, how do you incentivize um, adoption and probably more sustained utilization. That's a big question that a lot of our clients are dealing with. And we're trying to get a better handle on that as we go forward. Uh, and we're seeing some pretty innovative kinds of approaches in that arena. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Just to head back to analytics uh, just for a second, then we'll 
Uh, we'll wrap up here with some of those uh, attractive approaches because I think that's the foremost on everybody's mind with with the, the volunteer users in most cases of of the extended enterprise. But you know, I think the the measurement uh, of it, nobody is is rolling out extended enterprise training just because it's fun um, or because <laughs> or because they're mandated to do it. You know, it's 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 the most unique area of learning, I think, because it's always it's always being driven by uh, some sort of business driver, as, as you're talking about, to to reduce something or increase something, or you know, the cost of you know acquiring a new customer is, is fractional to, to keeping them uh, over over time, and so you know, every organization basically embraces the fact that. Uh, it's being driven by actual metrics, but the great thing about extended enterprise is that it's already all being measured. You already know what every channel partner is doing, what every salesperson in that channel is doing, what every customer is doing, how many times they're hitting your site. You know, CRM, Salesforce.com are measuring all of that. And so to be able to say, okay, customers that have become certified or channel partners that have become certified are doing X, Y, or Z, you know, in terms of uh, you know, selling larger or buying larger or staying customers versus a control group of customers or channel partners that didn't do uh, that particular training or certification. And you can start to measure right from day one on on uh, what's effective and what's not in your learning and development. And as, you know, I travel around the world and, and, and talk to different leaders, that's the point. It always coming back to is, uh, this this comparative analytics, you know, to run it like a business, not like a regulatory, you need training uh, operation, but, you know, how, how are you going to impact the business as a, a competitive advantage? That's enterprise learning, I think. Yeah, yeah. The, the compliance stuff and all of that, that's kind of administrative. That's not, that's a basis that is necessary. Mm-hmm. But it's not sufficient for success. And I think you're absolutely right, John. And it's, it's taking data and transforming it to information. And information, I've always felt, really drives action. If it doesn't drive action, then why are we doing it? Why are we gathering it? And being able to look at trends to do, you know, the we, we've done a great job prescriptive. We're getting better at predictive. It's the prescriptive that is next in that arena. And all those three are going to get interchangeable and, and an amalgamation of effort that's ultimately going to lead to being able to get very specific at a customer level, you know, the, the, the market segment of one, to developing the kind of training and learning experiential uh, aspects of your employees and your partners on how they can do better. And that's really the bottom line. That's the impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. All right, a couple uh, one-word uh, answers here. Uh, yes or no, uh, Im- important uh, trend in the, the future, uh, artificial intelligence. Yes, big Mo- yes. Mobile apps. Uh, they're already in continued yes. Social learning. Uh, huge. Huge coming up. Informal learning. Uh, very important. It's the way we actually learn. Mm-hmm. And though we're not allowed to use the term anymore, but I guess you can use it verbally since you can't see where the hyphen is. Micro learning. 
<laughs> okay, so you're one of the subscribers to that there's a hyphen, huh? I did it. I, Whatever way I, that doesn't get you in trouble, I'm not sure. What yeah, you're yeah. Uh, I think it's like it's one of the um, waning panaceas uh, that has real value, uh, but in the right context. Everything is contextual. So it, it's a bit like Einstein, right? It's all relative. Um, and I think microlearning has a very significant role in the right place, under the right conditions, and for the right reasons. Uh, it's appropriate in things like performance assistance and reinforcement of things that have already been learned uh, in the most case. But it's not something that's going to take me as, from a novice to an expert. It just doesn't work that way. We don't learn like that as humans. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, John, uh, thanks very much uh, for being a good sport today and sharing your experience and wisdom. Uh, can't wait uh, to our upcoming uh, webinar that we're doing together here in, in a few weeks. And that's on Extended Enterprise Learning is your strategy ready for a refresh. And so we'll continue digging into these topics. We're going to talk a lot more about uh, enticing learners to come and engaging them when we have them and pricing strategies and uh, things we just hit on today. So look forward to, to digging deeper and uh, thanks very much and we'll see you all soon on the next episode of the Down to Learning Show. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All right. Have a great day.